Hi, it's Barnabas. Many of our most important sources, such as the Explorer Academy code-breaking activity adventure, are written by Dr. Gareth Moore, a puzzle and brain training author who lives in the UK. He's created, I think, now over 400 books, and many of them we use on the show. One of my personal favorites is called 404. The basic idea is that a mysterious group that calls themselves The Republic has sent you a book filled with over 60 puzzles, and it is your job to solve them. You can find him at drgarethmoore.com or on his YouTube channel. Now, let's get back to the show. In this episode, we revisit a code and cipher concept that we've already created an episode about back in season one. But we are back for more. And, though there isn't any Steve's tips, I think we've got some interesting stuff coming for you in this story. Without further ado... Start the show. Welcome back to the Kids Code Podcast. I'm Barnabas, your host, and I'm with Steve, your co-host, Carl the Crow, and Robo Robbie, who is Bob Bot's brother. So, I guess my brother does flubs or something. Does he? Yes, but he hasn't gotten any yet. Well... I should probably think of something to do for the listeners to send in. But I can't think of one right now. Maybe I will sometime. That's fine, Robo Robbie. Today we are talking about code breaking. In episode 5, we talked about frequency charts. The is the most common three-letter word in English, and even though it could be tie or toe, the makes the most sense. R equals H, W equals M, Y equals O, D equals T, and G equals W. Don't forget the Beale cipher! Our story starts in 1820, when a man named Thomas J. Beale checked into a hotel in Virginia called the Washington Hotel. Morris did get one letter from Beale telling him that if he didn't hear from him in 10 years, he should feel free to break the lock on the strongbox and examine the contents. For context, 
though frequency analysis was the type we talked about, as well as a little bit on brute force attacks. There is much more to discover. We are going to start getting into that in this episode. So let's dive right in. Another word for code breaking is cryptanalysis, which is a relatively new word. It was first used by William Friedman in 1920. But methods of code breaking are much older. The first known explanation of code breaking was given in a 9th century Arab book featuring a description of the method used for frequency analysis. The writer is known as the first code breaker in history. Successful decoding has influenced much of history and the ability to read the thoughts and plans of others that were thought secret is definitely an advantage. For example, in England in 1587, Mary, Queen of Scots, was tried and executed for treason as a result of her involvement in three plots to assassinate Queen Elizabeth I of England. In Europe during the 15th and 16th centuries, the idea of a polyalphabetic substitution cipher, we'll talk about those in the later episode, was developed, among others, by French diplomat by a French diplomat for several centuries the Vigener cipher which uses a repeating key to select different encryption alphabets in rotation and was noted in episode 6 of this podcast was considered to be completely secure the unbreakable cipher. Nevertheless, in the late 18th to early 19th centuries, two different people succeeded in breaking this cipher. During World War I, inventors in several countries developed rotor cipher machines in attempt to minimize the repetition that had been used to break the Wigener system. In World War I, the breaking of the Zimmerman telegram was instrumental in bringing the United States into the war. And in World War II, the Allies benefited enormously from their joint success on figuring out the Enigma machine and the Lorenz cipher, as well as purple. Now that we've had a little history, let's move on to some of the procedures. A brute force attack or search is 
a way of systematically checking all possibilities for a key. For example, if a letter in the cipher text is C, you can check to see if it might be a P. The main disadvantage to the brute force method is that for many real-world problems, the number of possibilities is very much too high. For example, if you had 25 trillion options, which is only the amount needed for a known transposition cipher of roughly 20 letters, that would take years if everyone in the world were trying to figure it out for them to figure it out. This is a reference to episode 13. You can go check out that episode in which we explain transposition and substitution ciphers, among other things. For example, take chess. In 2005, all chess game endings with six pieces or less were figured out, showing the result of each position if perfectly. It took ten more years to complete the table base with one more chess piece added, thus completing a seven-piece table base. Adding one more piece to a chess ending, making an eight-piece table base, is considered impossible due to the complexity of the game. One way to speed up a brute force is to reduce the amount of searching needed. If you know something about the message, then you can eliminate all other options. You know what? I have an idea for an example for a brute force search. The eight queens challenge in chess. If you've ever heard of it. Oh yeah, that's a great example. The eight queens challenge in chess is to place eight queens on a standard chessboard so that no queen attacks another. Since each queen can be placed in one of 64 squares, there are 281 trillion 474 billion 976 million 710,656 possibilities to consider. Wow, what a staggering number. But since the queens are all alike in movement, and no two queens can be placed on the same square, it takes the options down to 4 billion 426 million 165,368 possibilities. About 160,000th 
of the previous possibility. Also, no arrangement can have two queens on the same row or the same column. So, we can further restrict that. Do you see how that looks? As the examples show, a little bit of analysis can lead to drastic reductions in possible solutions. It's clear that there are too many possible keys, though, to try in a brute force attack for most messages. And given that we could also use symbols in the substitution, there are even more possibilities. Even though this is true, uh, every single normal monoalphabetic substitution cipher is easily broken using frequency analysis. If you want to do the full walkthrough of frequency analysis, listen to episode 5. Although frequency analysis works for every monoalphabetic substitution cipher, including those that were use symbols instead of letters, and it is usable for any language if you have the frequency of that language, there is a major weakness. The weakness is that for very short messages, the cryptanalyst often does not have enough data to get it correct, which means that the frequencies may be rather distorted. For example, if the message is about zebras, there are probably a lot more Z's in the plain text than in a normal piece of writing, which can mess up the frequency analysis, but there are other ways of breaking it that we'll get to later. The Visionaire cipher that we were talking about earlier is not susceptible to the frequency analysis because the cipher rotates through different shifts depending on the key. We'll talk about that in episode 6 of this season. Here is the way that it was broken. Although the frequency of the letters in the cipher text is more flattened than it would be otherwise, there is one main weakness to the security of the visionaire cipher and that's the fact that the key is repeated for example if we use the keyword key then it will show key over and over again so if you repeat words in your message they will often end up as the same word which helps in the decryption of the message For example, if you were using this keyword and the first four letters and then 15 letters 
afterwards are the same four letters, it will give us helpful information. Since the repeating letters are 15 letters apart, we know that the length of the key must be part of 15. So, the key has to be 15 letters long, 5 letters long, 3 letters long, or 1 letter long. It can't be 1, because then it would be a simple Caesar shift. And it is unlikely to be a length of 15. So, it's most likely a 5 or a 3. Which is a good step, though it's possible that the repeated strings are a coincidence. This is where I have to stop, because the rest of the... Because the rest of the analysis process is visual. But I will link to the article which holds the information in the show notes. Anyway, this analysis is a very powerful method for decryption and was a major development in this field and showed that polyalphabetic as well as monoalphabetic ciphers can be broken. Though, as with frequency analysis, the person using this needs a fairly long message with a relatively short key for the process to work. For example, it would be much harder if the process was 20 letters long and the key was, Hello, my name is Barnabas and I am the host of the Kids Code podcast. Then you wouldn't get any repetitions at all. Now, here's a little bit about some forms of code breaking. Often, the code breaker will... will... if... if two out of the three things, plain text, key, and cipher text, are known, you can put those two together often and get the other thing in a complicated way. For example, plain text and key equals ciphertext. Ciphertext in key equals plain text. Plain text and ciphertext equals key. When two ciphers ciphertexts are aligned, the combination means that there are only two plain text. So, ciphertext 1 and ciphertext 2 equal plain text 1 and plain text 2. Now, in this modern age, can't you just download a program on your computer and boom, the thing is solved? Well, 
not always, because some types of code breaking are practical and some are not. Attacks can be characterized by the resources they require. That includes time, the number of steps the computer has to take to try to figure the thing out. Memory, the amount of storage used up by the computer. Data, the quantity and kind of plain texts and cipher texts required for a particular approach. If there are too many of these, it often means that it is not a good idea. Attacks can also be characterized on how much is known already. Here are some. Ciphertext only. The codebreaker only knows several ciphertexts. Known plain text. The codebreaker has some ciphertexts and knows a corresponding plain text. Chosen plain text and chosen ciphertext. The codebreaker knows which ciphertexts correspond to which plain texts and vice versa. Related key attack. Like the chosen plain text, except the results of a code-breaking attempt can vary in usefulness. Here is a way of characterizing them. Total break. The code-breaker figures out the entire key. Global deduction. The code-breaker discovers an important algorithm for encryption and decryption, but doesn't learn the key. Instance deduction. The codebreaker discovers additional plain texts or ciphertexts not previously known. Information deduction. The codebreaker gets some small information about the plain texts or ciphertexts that wasn't previously known. And the distinguishing algorithm in which the codebreaker can distinguish the cipher from just random nonsense. That is what I like to call the success scale. Now it's time for the story. on the Kids Code Podcast. This is what the convention of criminals looks and sounds like. I just figure out how to teleport some random person I think called Barnabas. Here. No! Uh, man, now I'm in the story. I didn't want to be in the story. Hey, guys. What's wrong? 
Emily End is gone. I'm trapped in my closet and Dangerous Dave is out there. Please come quickly. <sighs> Look there. Dangerous Dave, he's here. Now, let's get into this story. So, this is Steve's house. Hey, keep your voice down. Shh. Okay. So, this is Steve's house. Yes. Do you know how to open the door very quietly? I think so. Then do it. Hey, that was too loud. Sorry. It's okay. I do that sometimes, too. Let's take a quick break. Hi, everybody. Guess what? It's season four, and the Kids Code podcast is officially two years old. On July 19th, 2021, Zero Trailer was released. We also have a couple other twos. We've been listened to in over 200 cities all over the globe. And we've been listened to nearly 2,000 times. And we wouldn't be able to do it without you. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means a lot. Well, that's enough of the announcement. Back to the show. Listen. I hear something. So do I. It's gone now. Let's creep softly. Where is he? I don't know. He's gone? I guess. So you can come out of the closet now. But he hasn't taken anything. That's odd. What happened? Wait, did you guys hear that? It sounded like the evil ant. Oh me my, that did sound like the evil ant. Hey, evil ant, is Dangerous Dave there? Yes! Yep, I am. Where are you? We're over here. 
Oh, wait, why did I tell you that? Well, I guess he's gone. What do we do now? I don't know. You're the master spy. But this is only my second mission. What was your first mission? My first mission was escorting you through the maze. And also some random thing I did three years ago that nobody needs to know about and I don't even remember and might be in some prequel episode. Oh, cool. That sounds fun. Well, what are we waiting around for? Wait, so I guess that's that for the story? I thought something more interesting would happen. Nope, that's the end. Hey, you stole my line! Well, I hope you liked that story. And hopefully the next one will be slightly longer. And more interesting if you ask me. I was getting ready for something really fun. I don't know what though. Well, since we don't really have any activities. Steve. And we haven't done any Steve's tips. Steve, do you have one tip for us? Brute force attack is not helpful! Don't try it! You might get lucky once or twice, but it probably doesn't work. Unless it's a known Caesar shift, and that's super easy. The frequency analysis will work better. Okay, and also, since I love rolling clips, here are some from this episode, summarizing, code breaking. The eight queens challenge in chess is to place eight queens on a standard chessboard so that no queen attacks another, since each queen can be placed in one of 64 squares. There are 281 trillion, 474 billion, 976 million, 710,656 possibilities. But since the queens are all alike in movement, and no two queens can be placed on the same square, it takes the options down to 4,426,100,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000, 1,000,000
165,368 possibilities. It can't be one, because then it would be a simple Caesar shift. And it is unlikely to be a length of 15. So it's most likely a 5 or a 3. Which is a good step, though it's possible that the repeated strings are a coincidence. That's about all the time we have for this episode. Please support our show by following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It will help us grow the show since we're still a very small show and we would really appreciate it. The sources used in this episode were Top Secret by Paul B. Janesco, Frequency Analysis, Breaking the Code, and Kasiski Analysis, Breaking the Code, which are Crypto Corner articles, and the Wikipedia articles Cryptanalysis and Brute Force Attack. We'll be back next week with an episode about the basics of spying. But until then, keep on cracking! Well, well, well. Episode 17 in the books. How did you like doing a part two of an episode? It was fun. I got to roll more clips. And mention the Beale Cipher. Oh, no. Don't even get started about the Beale Cipher. Oh, yeah. For new listeners... I'm fanatic about the Beale Cipher mystery. You can learn about it in episodes 5 and 11, but I would recommend you check it out in episode 11 because that is a more complete talk about it. Though it is not as complete as I am hoping for, and I will definitely make a full episode at some point. Hey, hey! Go away, Stan! I wasn't talking to you! Wait, I didn't know you had a brother named Stan. Well, I didn't until two seconds ago, either! Huh? Oh, never mind. I don't know, either. Bye! Bye! Thank you for listening.